0: Well, as as I've been doing, uh, we've been going through the book of Exodus, and we're going to continue uh, looking at Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus 23, uh, moving through verses 20 through 33 today. And as I've mentioned before, uh, chapters 21 through 23 of Exodus, they're referred to as the book of the covenant. And what we find in the book of the covenant are practical applications uh, for the Ten Commandments, how to live out the Ten Commandments, and really how to live them out within Israel's specific social context, and what it looked like for Israel to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And just to remind you of of some of these, I mean, God's, uh, in the book of the covenant, God's laws forbade the stealing of men and selling them into slavery. And while God had allowed for certain forms and aspects of servitude, he provided the safeguards to to protect the welfare and dignity of those who served. We studied God's law about dealing with different kinds of crimes, with capital crimes, with personal injuries and criminal negligence. We studied how God wants us to make things right when we hurt someone. Laws of restitution, what needed to be done in order to pay back the loss of property due to theft or negligence. These laws taught people to respect one another and respect other people's property. It gave guidelines for settling disputes. We looked at God's definition for justice. There's a vertical justice of how we should act justly toward God, what it means to live rightly towards God. There's a horizontal justice of how we should act rightly toward others, and justice towards the weak and the vulnerable in society, laws against the mistreatment of women, the mistreatment of immigrants, uh, um, against the mistreatment of the poor and all of this is showing that loving god and loving your neighbor go hand in hand. God even included laws about telling the truth, not to not be a false witness, warnings against going with the crowd, but instead commanding people, commanding Israel to be people of integrity. You see these laws they focused on man's responsibility for self-government under the government of God. And God expected his people to keep them. And by doing so, God's people would grow into a unique nation. And if they remained obedient, they would be a wonderful, God-glorifying light to the nations around them. And now, as we've progressed through Exodus, we've come to the point where God is promising what will happen if they keep these laws. And he's given warnings of what will happen if they don't. And just kind of uh, a few points to remember as we're going through this passage today. Just like the Israelites were told to be attentive to the angel and obey his voice, We are called to be attentive to God and obey His voice. Just like the angel was a guardian and guide for the Israelites, Jesus Christ is our guardian and guide, and we're called to follow Him. Just like Israel, if we carefully obey God and do everything He says, then He will be our defender. And protect us against our enemies. We should trust God to be victorious in our lives. We should remember that God is always victorious, but the victory usually doesn't come all at once, but over time, gradually, little by little. God calls us to stand firm in our faith, don't compromise. You see, while we're waiting for God to win that full and final victory, we must stand firm. And finally, what we'll learn is that obedience leads to blessing. Now, typically, an ancient covenant ended with blessings and cursings. And this is described, this is what we're seeing right here. What what happens if that covenant is kept? What happens if that covenant was broken? And after telling his people what he was commanding them to do, God told them what would happen if they did or if they failed to do it. And we see that here. The Lord was preparing to bring his people to the promised land and as he did so he gave them a promise of his blessed presence he said this to him beginning in exodus 23:20. 20, i am going to send an angel before you to protect you on the way and to bring you to the place i have prepared be attentive to him and obey his voice do not de- defy him or rebel against him because he will not forgive your acts of rebellion, for my name is in him. But you know, we we have a problem in our culture, I think. And one of those problems is a misunderstanding of angels. When you hear the word angel, what comes to mind immediately? Probably some little cute adorable, uh, cherub-like artistic rendering or depiction of an angel. Angels are seen as rather harmless, I think. The pictures of angels don't look that threatening. Well, forget all of that. We have to ask the question, what would Israel have thought when they heard the word angel. Well, let me tell you, Israel would not have thought, oh, isn't that cute? Israel would be thinking, this is a warrior of God. This is a warrior placed before us. So when we think angel here, we need to think ter- in more terms of terror and frightening than in cuteness. This is a warrior angel. But more than that, because God said, My name is in him. By this angel's very appearance, he is declaring the reality of God, and he is claiming on behalf of the Creator that the land he is going that he is going to give land to his people. So we see this angel has two purposes. First of all, to guard Israel on their way, and second, to guide them. Israel is not just going to land in the land of promise. They're going to be taken to the land of promise. This messenger is going to speak to Israel, be attentive to him, and obey his voice. Why? Because the angel is God's voice. Israel is told over and over again to listen to God's voice. And we need to remember that does not mean that they would continually hear the audible voice of God. It means really three things. It means that they would hear God's voice coming from the angel, just as, just as we see here. They're to listen to the angel. It would also mean that they would hear God's voice through the prophet Moses. And third, and I think most importantly and most enduringly, They're to hear God's voice in his word. They are to obey the word. Did you notice that there is judgment even in this? Verse 21, do not defy him because he will not forgive your acts of rebellion. To disobey the angel, for Israel to disobey the angel was to disobey God himself because the angel bore God's very name. My name is in him. This phrase means that God's authority, God's nature, and God's power were in the angel. This is why the angel could command complete obedience and trust. Now, to summarize, this angel was distinguished from God, yet at the same time had Uniquely divine attributes. So we we can really conclude that this angel. That's referred to here in this passage. Was in fact. The second person of the Trinity. The pre-incarnate son of God. The Lord Jesus Christ. And you've seen this before in the Old Testament. Back at the burning bush. uh, Long before the incarnation. Long before. He was born in Bethlehem. Christ was with his people on their way to salvation. Now, like Israel's angel, Jesus really is our guardian along the way. And by the presence of the Holy Spirit, he is always with us to save us. Remember what he said, I am with you always to the end of the age. And like Israel's angel, Jesus is our guide. (laughs) When his disciples wanted to know the way to glory, Jesus responded by simply saying, I am the way. And we're called to follow him every step of the road until we reach the promised land. And just like Israel's angel, Jesus speaks to us for God. He is the messenger God sent to bring us the good news of salvation. The father said, this is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. And if we refuse to listen to him, we do do so at our own peril. If we we rebel against him, how can we be forgiven? Because scripture says there's no one else to forgive us of sins. And like Israel's angel, Jesus bears the very name of God. He is God the Son. Everything that is true of God is true of him. He has the same character, the same attributes, Scripture says he is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. And so the New Testament everywhere identifies Jesus as our Lord and our God. You see, in these ways, the angel of the Exodus points us to the messenger of our salvation. Jesus Christ is our guardian and guide, our teacher our Savior and Lord. Now, the angel did many things to to save Israel. But what is promised here is the conquest of Canaan. And when God brought his people out of Egypt, he promised to also lead them into the promised land. Now, this meant driving out the people who already lived there, God's enemies, and so the angel's conquest teaches us three important lessons really about God's plan for our salvation. These are lessons that God taught his people in the days of Moses, but I think each of them have implications for God's people in Christ, so just to remind you, you know, Concerning Israel's pilgrimage from Egypt to Canaan, the New Testament has this to say, it says, now these things happened to them as examples, and they were written as warnings for us on whom the ends of the ages has come. In other words, what we're studying right here, what was written in Exodus was written for the edification of the church. Now, let's backtrack just a little bit where were the israelites at this time well they were somewhere between egypt and canaan they had passed through the waters of the red sea and they were on their way to the promised land but in order to enter the land they still had enemies to conquer we find ourselves i think as christians in a very similar position, at least spiritually speaking. God has won a great victory for us in Christ. We, who are Christians, we have been baptized into salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now we are on our way to a spiritual promised land. Heaven. That God has prepared for all of us. <laughs> but we still have enemies to face. We're still striving to be sanctified. We are still struggling against the attacks of Satan. And so that's what true. can we learn from this passage? Well, the very first thing is that this that's the law to God. Read the passage. It says, but if you will carefully obey and do everything, obey, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. For my anger
1: will you and bring you to
2: the
0: land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Now, what is God saying here, especially in in verse 22? Well, he's saying, your enemies will be my enemies. Your foes will be my foes. They think they're making a war on you, but actually they will be making war on me. It's a covenant language here. God's saying, your enemies will be my enemies as long as you obey my voice. Verse 23 here is kind of a shift to the actual conquest of Canaan. God has promised that the angel will drive out Israel's enemies. Now, the Israelites might not have given this much thought at first, but God's saying, listen, you're going to have enemies. The land that I have promised you is not vacant. It's occupied. And the people who live there are not going to give it up willingly. And then God goes through and lists their names. And he says, I will wipe them out. As we move on through. Verse 24. God gives them a warning. You must not bow down to their gods or worship them. Do not imitate their practices. Instead... Demolish them and smash their sacred pillars to pieces. Now, God tells them that he's going to wipe out all those various Canaanite tribes, but he also warns them not to follow the worship practices of the Canaanites. God wants them to destroy the pagan temples. When he says smash their sacred pillars, he's really just saying destroy the pagan temples places of worship demolish them you see god does not want reformed paganism he doesn't want them to go and take over a pagan temple and refurbish it and try to reform it because what do you end up with you end up with still a form of paganism if you take over a a pagan place of worship And so God says, destroy their places of worship. Worship the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. I will remove illnesses from you. No woman will miscarry or be childless in your land. I will give you the full number of your days. You know, if you go camping, you don't want to drink the water directly from a stream, it could be contaminated. You need to take along a a water filtration system, a water purifier uh, to remove the contaminants. And throughout history, think about this, water has obviously been one of the most important and most necessary natural resources we have, but one of the most dangerous In the ancient world, poisonous water was a major concern. It wasn't until the 1850s in England that they figured out that cholera, that outbreaks of cholera were coming from contaminated water. And and now we kind of take it for granted That our water is safe to drink. But that wasn't always the case. And here in this passage, God is telling Israel, I'm going to make your water okay to drink. You've got to understand that we read that through one sentence and we're going, oh, that's nice. But this was not a small promise. This was a massive promise. I'm going to see to it that your water is safe to drink. Your bread and your water will be safe. There's also a promise here to take away sickness. There's a promise of fertility. There's a promise they will live to an old age. And you go, well, okay, that's nice. But you've got to understand the background to this promise. You see, the people who lived in this land, the, the Canaanites, they practiced fertility rites. In their pagan worship, a part of their worship uh, involved uh, fertility rites in, in their idolatrous worship. And so God told Israel, you will have nothing to do with them, destroy their places of worship. There will be no pagan fertility rites, none. God says, I will take care of that. I will be the one who opens the womb." I will be the one who gives the increase. So, why no fertility rights? Because it is God Himself who gives the increase. The God we worship, think about it, He encourages us to pray even for our daily bread. (laughs) We pray for our children. We pray for the womb to be opened. We don't sacrifice goats as a part of fertility rites, but instead we trust in God. Verses 27 and 28, I will cause the people ahead of you to feel terror and to throw in confusion all the nations you come to. I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you and retreat. I will send the hornet in front of you and it will drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites away from you. I can just imagine, you know, somebody like uh, Henry reading through this and getting a picture of the hornets uh, chasing after people. It would scare me to death. Now, (laughs) Usually, ancient treaties ended with the ruler reminding his subjects of their duties. And God did this, but he also undertook some obligations of his own. If you see this, you you see that God says he's gonna be the one doing the conquering. He's gonna be the one handing over. He's gonna be the one driving out the enemy. When God and his conquering angel went ahead to the promised land israel's enemies would be overcome with dread they would panic the way that people do when they get buzzed not just by any bee but by a hornet and if you have never been chased by bitten by stung by a hornet then let me tell you it is an experience that you do not want it is Dreadfully painful. But think about something like this overtaking the enemy. Now, we've got to ask was this metaphorical or, or was it meant to be real? Well, honestly, according to the context, this does not appear to be metaphorical. Uh, you may be thinking, well, there's no reference to hornets in battles described in the Old Testament. But notice what it says. I will send the hornet in front of you. You see, one of the things you've got to keep in mind is that in God's providential plan, he went ahead of Israel. He weakened Israel's armies even before Israel confronted them. He weakened them possibly with illness, with famine, and yes, it could have been with hornets as well. In any case, God has promised to be the ultimate intimidator in a sense. And so when the captain of his angelic armies led Israel into battle, the courage of the Canaanites melted away. Maybe you remember uh, from your Old Testament when the Israelite spies made their first expedition into Canaan they met up with a woman named Rahab. And here's what Rahab said. She said, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. They hadn't even come into the land yet. And Rahab is saying, everyone who lives in this land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart. And everyone's courage failed because of you. Why? She says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now, in everything that's going on in our world today, We need to take comfort because I believe that God still has this effect on his enemies today. Now, our warfare is not physical, but it is spiritual. You know, some Christians may be frightful, may be fearful of Satan and what can be done to them. But let me tell you, we're not the ones who ought to be afraid. Scripture says that when the demons think about God, they shudder, and well, they should. God has the power to destroy them with fire, and he's promised to do that one day. Now, these words serve as a promise to God's people, to us, that as we go forth into the world, as we go forth with the gospel, we are not alone. <laughs> not only are we not alone, but we are in communion with the sovereign of the universe. Everyone has enemies. <laughs> but this word promises to the believer, to us, that our Adversaries, our enemies, are God's enemies. And yes, the fact that to follow Christ means, it it means that we are in a adversarial position compared to those who don't. And we should not be surprised when the Amorites of this world don't like us invading what they have for so long assumed is rightfully theirs. Unbelievers will oppose believers in universities, in schools, in businesses, in government, and even in religion. We face opposition. The fact must be recognized that the exclusive worldview that we believe in, that a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ believes in, will stir up all kinds of enemies. But we can continue to graciously march onward, knowing that we are marching in step with God, who is leading us to our promised land. Do you, let me ask you this, do you ever find yourself impatient with God, impatient with his power being exercised, not just in our world, but really exercised in your own sanctification or exercised through another person? Why is he not growing as fast as I think he should, or even in the work of evangelism? Well, God promised here that in accordance to his wisdom, he would not immediately conquer his enemies. So the second lesson that we're going to look at is that victory does not come all at once, but little by little. Here in Exodus 23, starting in verse 29, God said, I will not drive them out ahead of you in a single year. Otherwise, the land would become desolate. Wild animals would multiply against you. I will drive them out little by little ahead of you until you have become numerous and take possession of the land. Now, no doubt the Israelites wanted victory to come right away. They wanted to march in one day They wanted to watch their enemies march out or run away the next, and they wanted to simply take over the promised land. This was not God's plan, though. God's plan was a progressive conquest. God was saying, listen, you're not ready to take full possession of it yet. If I gave you the land all at once, God told them, there's not enough of you to populate the land. There's not enough of you to till the ground and take care of it yet. The fields would grow wild. Wild beasts would take over and the land would become useless. It would become desolate. And so God, in his infinite wisdom and mercy, ordained that the process of occupation of the land and colonization would be a progressive one in order that they might maintain control over the land. And in that fact, Israel would have to progressively trust God. Now, eventually, the whole land would become theirs. God told them, I will set your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the wilderness to the Euphrates River for I will place the inhabitants of the land under your control and you will drive them out ahead of you. I mean, this, this was a huge territory. And even though he's given them the promise here in Exodus, this promise was not fulfilled until centuries later during the reign of Solomon, when the kingdom of Israel extended to its widest boundaries But God told them how conquest would take place. Here's my promise. You will rule over the Canaanites and you will drive them out. And again, we can learn something about our own Christian lives from this. It's not always God's plan to give us an instant and total victory. And I, I would at first say, oh, that I wish it was. But then I learned something. Our spiritual progress comes little by little. But this is really for our benefit. It's for my benefit. I think for many merciful reasons, God does not allow us to be sanctified right away without a struggle. He wants us to learn to depend on him in ways that we never would, unless we had have to persevere through our sanctification and persevere through the gradual conquest of sin. I think this is true for the church as well. I mean, if God had wanted, God could have taken up his people to glory right after Jesus rose from the dead. But God had a better plan, one for our good and his glory. He wanted to work out salvation through long centuries of human history so he could save a vast host of souls. Think about it. The kingdom of God has been spreading the way Jesus said it would. Like yeast in a lump of dough or a tiny seed that grows into a large tree. Little by a little, God is working out his purpose until all the people he intends are saved. You know, as I said, God does not give us victory all at once. We don't go to heaven the moment we put our faith, our trust in Christ. It's usually a long, slow process of sanctification for our good and God's glory. It teaches us to depend on God's grace. It drives us to our knees in prayer. And it refines our character. I think knowing God works little by little, step by step, helps us to gain a perspective on some of our frustrations. You know, sometimes we seem to struggle so hard with a particular sin that we wish God would just take it away. We may be tempted to give up, and perhaps even doubt whether the Holy Spirit has the power to change us. But God is working to make us holy. Sometimes you may long to see more fruit in your life. You may wonder when God is going to give you the opportunity to serve him the way you've always dreamed but you can trust that God is at work. God is preparing us. Sometimes we we despair looking at the people that we love, family members, our children. We're, we're praying for them to reach a spiritual maturity. And sometimes it may seem like that they're going backwards instead of forward. But God is working little by little. The victory belongs to Him, and He will see it through to the very end. And as we are walking through this Christian life, and God is working in our lives, He also challenges us. He tells us that there's no room to make compromises. There's no room to make compromises with ungodliness. And so the third lesson to learn from this passage is don't compromise. While we're waiting for God to bring us to the promised land, we must do everything we can to separate ourselves from sin. And this was hard for the Israelites to do. They faced a strong temptation to make peace with the canaanites and to worship the canaanite gods especially since the conquest came little by little i mean rather than taking the trouble to drive out the enemies why not live in peaceful coexistence i mean have you all ever seen the coexist bumper sticker on a car the word coexist it's written with symbols of different world religions It's got the crescent moon of Islam, the peace sign, uh, a gender equality symbol, the star of David representing Judaism, the eye representing paganism, a uh, yin-yang representing Taoism, and then a cross representing Christianity coexist. But that's not what this passage is telling us to do. I mean, back in... Verse 24, God had said already, you must not bow down to their gods or worship them. Do not imitate their practices. Instead, demolish them and smash their sacred pillars to pieces. And now, here in verses 32 and 33, you must not make a covenant with them or their gods. They must not remain in your land, or else they will make you sin against me. If you worship their gods... It will be a snare for you. So, I mean, obviously you're going, well, the Israelites were not allowed to worship the gods of Canaan. They were to worship the God of Israel and serve him only. But God knew how tempting it would be for his people to worship false gods and to help them avoid even the possibility of this temptation. He told them to smash the Canaanites idols to pieces. Their gods were just idols of wood, idols of metal, precious metal. Their sacred stones were pillars uh, in front of the temple. All the idols had to be destroyed. There was to be no apostasy, no worship given to any other gods, no lapsing into the cults of neighboring peoples, but absolute loyalty to God alone the Israelites were forbidden to make a covenant or a peace treaty with the Canaanites. And let me explain this just a little bit. In those days, covenants were sealed with sacred rituals in which both nations sacrificed to their gods. So the Israelites would not have been able to make a treaty with the Canaanites without in some way acknowledging the Canaanite gods, and this they were forbidden to do. Why? Because there is only one supreme and sovereign God, and the Israelites were called to worship him alone. I mean, the whole point of the book of the covenant that we've been going through was that they were entering into an exclusive relationship with the one true God. Now, the other problem with, I guess, with granting amnesty to the Canaanites was that the longer the Canaanites hung around, the more likely the Israelites were to be led astray. I think that it's easier to be influenced than it is to influence. As I was preparing for this, one of the commentators uh, that I was going through said this much better than I ever could. He said, "Given the sinful pro- propensities of the human heart, it is easier for false and debased for the false and debased to degrade the true than for the pure to elevate the corrupt." Given the the sinful propensities of the human heart, it is easier for the false and debased to degrade the pure than for the pure to elevate the corrupt. That doesn't say that the pure can't. It just says it's easier for the false and debased to degrade the pure. You see, if the Canaanites wanted to turn away from their idols and serve the true and living God, that was one thing. But if they kept practicing their pagan rituals, they would inevitably cause the Israelites to stumble. So God adopted a zero-tolerance policy toward the Canaanites and their gods. I mean, their worship was despicable when you come to think about it. It, it. It involved sexual promiscuity. It involved child sacrifice. And it was the worship of wood and stone. Now, the Canaanites deserved to be punished for these sins. And God was well within his rights to say they could not live like that in his land. Because this was the place where he was establishing a people for himself. As a part of his plan for saving the world. And if the Israelites let the Canaanites stay... They would get lured or trapped into false worship. I mean, verse 33 says, idolatry is a snare, a snare like a trap set for a small animal. And of course, this is exactly what it turned out to be. God's warning proved to be all too necessary. The Israelites never did totally get rid of the Canaanites. And throughout the rest of their history, they kept getting ensnared by the pagan worship, by pagan deities again and again. Sadly, the Israelites missed out on all of God's blessings that he intended because they compromised with the Canaanites. And I think this warns us of the danger of settling for a partial victory. And stopping short of full obedience to Christ. I think we too miss out on blessings if we stop short of full obedience to Christ. I think that because we feel safe in our salvation, that maybe in our minds we go, well, it's okay to indulge in a little. Self-pity, especially since life is so discouraging. Or we can say, I don't really have an anger problem, but I, I do get mad sometimes. Or we cut corners at work and no one will ever know. We enjoy a juicy morsel of gossip. We shade the truth. We don't lie exactly, but if someone gets the wrong impression and it works to our advantage we don't take the trouble to correct them. These are the kinds of little compromises that can trap Christians. And they inevitably lead to bigger and bigger compromises and bigger and bigger sins. So when it comes to sin and its little compromises, We need to adopt a zero-tolerance policy. There are things that we need to get rid of entirely so as to remove any temptation. There are places we should never go, things we should not see, ideas we should not entertain, conversations we should not start, and desires we should not indulge. If we claim to follow Christ... We need to get rid of anything and everything that can become a snare. And so kind of as a challenge, there are some questions that we need to ask ourselves. Lord, what do I need to get rid of? What temptations do I need to avoid? And maybe the biggest one, what is keeping me from total obedience to Christ? If we don't get rid of these things, we'll be trapped. We need to remember that we are under the watchful care of our guardian savior, Jesus Christ. And he's already won the victory. And his kingdom is advancing little by little. But there's no room for compromise. Don't settle for a partial victory that falls short of full obedience to Christ. You know, God made a promise to make his people a blessing if they would obey him. He promised to bless them with land, geographic conquest, for the purpose of spiritual conquest. They would be a blessing to be a blessing. And I think the the same applies to us. I really do believe that that to the degree that we obey the commands of our Lord, to such a degree, we can expect to be a positive factor in society. By living under the Lordship of Christ in just the most practical of ways as we've been looking at, I think we lay the groundwork for the most important assignment we have. Reaching people with the gospel our lord jesus christ lawful living is a convicting and convincing factor that i believe is necessary and brings about effective evangelism as people are confronted with the revelation of a holy god and as they as they come to see that they are sinners who cannot save themselves this leads to the opportunity to point them to the Savior. And this, I think, is the challenge for us to live our lives to such a degree that people can see that we are fully devoted, fully committed, fully surrendered to Christ, that we have not compromised That we are living lives of full obedience to Christ. Let's pray. Lord, Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for taking us into these chapters in the life of Israel. Father, reveal to us where we're not listening to your word. Reveal to us where we're falling short of full obedience to you. Father, may we be encouraged, Lord. Encouraged knowing that our enemies are your enemies. Give us patience as you bring about sanctification in our lives. And teach us how to depend on you more And more. Father, may we be undefiled. May we be pure in our worship. And Lord, we look forward. To the spiritual harvest. Of people from every tribe and language. And we look forward to being a part of your kingdom. We give you thanks for. What you teach us in your word,
3: amen we certainly have uh much to learn from many different situations in the in the scriptures as you were as you were speaking I was i was just thinking of the, of the burdens and the stress that people feel, the concerns, and and just the desire for things to be different in so many ways. And I think with a sincerity of heart, let's uh, go before the Lord and respond to His Word here. Lord, it just seems that people are agitated. They're angry. They're furious, Lord. Uh, there's a there's a simmering rage in many people, or maybe it's just that these things get highlighted and broadcast through the all the the, the media that we have, and maybe we just feed ourselves on it rather than feeding ourselves, Lord, in the presence of Christ. But we don't. We don't want to be alone and ignorant in our bliss. We want to be aware of the seasons and what's going on. Oh, but your word is true, and what you have spoken is really clear. It's really clear to all of us, Lord. Lord, will we trust you with sincerity of heart? not only, Lord, with our own lives, because we think we've got that together maybe, but with the life of our country. Lord God, we ask you, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from darkness, Lord. Let this nation remain to be a a, a city on a hill. Lord, may May the work that you're doing within the, our country inspire us to hope. And every other country, Lord, inspire us to hope in you. We thank O Lord, that this angel that you sent. Likely was the pre-incarnate Christ. That your name was on him. And they were... Indeed, to do all that he said. And Lord, what Jesus tells us to do is to follow him and to love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Even when there's helicopters flying over our homes. Lord, I I pray for the discernment and wisdom for the fellowship in every one of our life situations. Lord I pray for. I pray for healing. And direction. Lord I pray for a release of agitation. And Lord that our go to emotion. Wouldn't be one of either anger or fear. Or some sort of. Uh, Thing that causes our blood pressure to, to rise. Lord, let us give us that, that quiet confidence that we've we've tasted it in the past. Lord, give us that quiet confidence in you. Lord. Mothers and fathers with their little children. Or those who are single. Those who are getting on in years, Lord, give us a quiet confidence in you. Take you back to this song again. Ask you to sing it with me again. great prayer so set thou straight Glorify your Lord all of our days. God of the nation, God of the earth, strengthen your church, Lord.
0: Teach us to serve.
3: any personal prayer requests um, you can pray them out now or ask us to join you in prayer that uh, we might come to the throne of grace in our time of need anyone have a prayer request
4: one thing um, I cannot remember the person's name But I had an email from Ji Young in Korea, that's Sung Lok's wife. Right. And she had sent me some photos because she wanted to take a few of Sung Lok and myself before they left. And um, she commented on a friend whose father was uh, very sick and going through radiation and chemo both and asked me to pray for him. And that she was praying for him and wanted me to pray for him and the church to pray for him. And I thought that was real interesting because I don't know where she is as far as being a Christian at all. But the very fact that she would ask that was um, was really, you know, I was real grateful that she did. So just pray for Ji Young's friend's father in Korea. If 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 she wants to go to the trouble to ask that, then I would like for us to be faithful to pray. And God knows her name, and I can look it back up in the email, but I don't remember right now what it is. We'll do that.
5: Yeah, I also have a prayer request. Yesterday morning, um, I started having trouble with my left eye. And um am still having trouble with that. And and I don't know if it's, I don't believe it's a detached retina, but I need to find that out. And so um, I'm going to try to get an appointment after church to see if I can't meet with my um, ophthalmologist group. So if y'all would would pray, I would appreciate that.
4: Will you going to need anyone to take you anywhere, Mary?
5: Well, actually, Martha and Larry just came, so I think that okay. um, that they can. But if I if I do, I would like to know. I could call one of y'all.
4: You can call us, or you can call Arthur in Panama.
5: Okay, that'd be great, Arthur. Thank you. Sure Arthur would jump at
3: that.
4: <laughs>
5: Arthur, you could even come and drive my car and take me. (laughs) You don't have to bring your own from Panama.
1: (laughs) It's just the coolest thing that we can be together. I love the things that are a blessing in spite of the awfulness of COVID. (laughs) It is a blessing to see Arthur and (laughs) Nemia. As well as many others that have joined us from other places. It's just such a sweet thing.
5: We even get to see Miles today. There at the Buellers. Hi, Miles.
3: (laughs) Any other prayer requests?
6: Richard's, um, well, Our Glenn's wife, Pat, is still struggling with her eyes, so um, would love for y'all to, um, to pray for her. She had cataract, was it cataract surgery?
3: Yeah, that was part of Mon- it. Yeah.
6: Months ago, but has just really had a, um, a terrible time with it,
3: okay.
6: and um, is still going to doctors and had another surgery and it's just been a real ordeal. Pat is her name. Pat Dennis.
3: I wanted many of y'all comment. I uh, posted a picture of, of Julie and I on the wedding day, 41 years ago. Maybe you Thank you for your.
4: Can't hear you very well, Bill. Yeah, I think Julie may need to mute.
3: <laughs> yeah. So- yeah um, I just want to thank many of you for your comments and well wishes and and hopefully prayers for Julie and me. As um, I posted a picture of us on our wedding day 41 years ago, and um, we enjoyed a, a <laughs> nice time here at the beach. Just remembering, so thank you. Um, Greg, why don't why don't we ask you to pray for uh, Ji Young's friend's father and Mary and Pat? Uh, Richard's sister-in-law,
4: would you? Lord, we know you're not confined to time or distance or anything else. And just because our memories are not what we would want them to be, you're not at a loss to know who we're talking about either. So I do pray for, for G. Young's friend's father. Oh Lord, more than anything, that He would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. But Lord, we ask you that if it pleases you, you would touch His body and bring healing to Him, to draw Him nearer, Lord, and to be a not only a blessing to Him, but to a to an example to all that see Him, to the power and the glory of God. Lord, we know that you've done mighty things and are doing mighty things in the nation of South Korea. And that they are sending out so many missionaries from that country. But yet there's so many people there, Lord, that don't know you. So many that have no background in in a belief system or they're in Buddhist or things of this nature. So Lord, to, to see glory brought to your name, to touch someone like this and to, also be a witness to G. Young and to Sung Lok of your power and your love for them. Lord, we just pray that um, you would move to be glorified in this instance. And for, for, for Richard's brother's wife, perhaps, Lord, for this eye problem. Uh, whatever's going on after so long, Lord, I pray that she would be able to see a a doctor that can help her, that can show her what to do, that can rectify the problem. Or even better, Lord, that you sovereignly touch her eye and bring healing to it. And uh, we're so grateful, Lord, that um, the family knows you, that they belong to you, and that they can give you praise and glory in the midst of a difficult situation. And, well, whatever's going on with Mary's eye, we pray also that um, you would direct her as to what to do, that it might be something to be corrected quickly and easily, and that uh, the joy of the Lord would permeate Mary's heart, even if she tries to seek out help for this. And again, Lord, we always will look to you first. You're not the, the last thing we remember to ask the person we ask for help but you're the first person because all things are in your hands and so we pray that uh, you would be pleased just to heal Mary's eye and restore it Lord, to its proper function and we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. It's, um, I had to start laughing when when Roger was speaking, because when he was talking about how God is not, you know, God takes a a long time from our point of view to, to get things straight sometimes in our lives. And for all of us, really, all of a sudden, the song popped into my mind of um, Tevye. Is that his name from Fiddler on the Roof, where he's singing the song, if I was a rich man, and he's talking about what he would do with money if he was a rich man. And he ends the song saying, God, would it upset the plan of the universe if I was a rich man? And so sometimes the way, that's the way we think. Would it upset some plan of the universe if you got rid of this problem quickly? <laughs> but um, God's timing is not ours. So I guess maybe it would upset the plan of the universe. I don't know.
3: But well, when he parted the Red Sea, that was certainly on his <laughs> spot. There's <But>, um, <laughs> a different time and place for everything that God does. Um, Mary, anything that you need to share with us here this morning?
5: Um, well, there are a couple of things. There are um, some birthdays this week. The Durham family will be celebrating the birthday of two grandchildren. Uh, at the beginning and the end of the week, Abby and then Levi. And um, the Cheek family will celebrate Brian's birthday. And we celebrate Roger Banner's birthday on Saturday. So actually Roger and Brian and Levi all have birthdays Saturday. (laughs) So happy birthday, Roger. Thank you for teaching today and preparing um, the word for us. And we hope that you have a wonderful birthday And then we have prayer meeting, of course, on Wednesday night, and we love it when um, you can join us. And um, if you can't physically join us, please be praying at home and also send in prayer requests because we do um, take each one of those to the Lord at the prayer meeting. Then either this week or the beginning of next week, I will be bringing around the Sunday school uh, and King's Jewels boxes. (laughs) So if you have prepared a box for Samaritan's Purse, please have that ready. Um, Betty will send out an email to let you know what day will be coming. But if if you have not gotten your shoebox completed for the um, Operation Christmas Child, um, and if you plan to do that, then please have it ready when uh, when you get that email. I know I've got a couple more things to put in before I my shoebox is ready. So I think those are the announcements that I have, if there are any others.
1: Well, just following up on the email that I sent out, I would definitely like to have women over on the porch um, next Sunday afternoon, right after church, unless something changes. I'm hoping Lisa and Mary will be able to join us and tell us about Prayer walk but I want us to get together regardless uh we just need that time to be with each other so I'll I'll send out an email and firm it up but that's the tentative plan right now But somebody knows some reason that that's not a good
3: plan
4: so so Greg where are you going to have the guys meet um no the, the question is where do I change her plan to have the women over here? I'm thinking there are a number of vacant places down at the cemetery that they could camp around and, and be right at home. So we'll we'll meet in the house.
1: You should have seen Greg the last time, two or three times he came out on the porch and just kind of folded his arms and looked at all, the talking and enjoying one another and shook his head and left. Harassed <laughs> us just a little bit.
4: Good job, almost had an alarm clock this time.
5: He, he was a little upset that uh, that there were people on his swing.
3: <laughs>
1: we commandeered it for about four hours.
4: <laughs> so Magda, when is Auntcha's baby due? Because I've seen pictures closer. She looks like she's getting close maybe.
6: Yeah, it's due uh, beginning of November.
2: Uh, begin- okay, so right around election time.
3: that's exciting
1: (laughs) we've been been at the beach this week and we've enjoyed having my mom with us so um, she was with us for prayer meeting Wednesday also so I've really had a good week with my mom here at the beach
0: yeah it's good to see your mom Julie
1: Jackie (laughs) looks beautiful good morning Jackie good morning you're looking great thank you (laughs)
6: I I forgot we should have prayed for this too but um Robin starts her new job tomorrow so she Mm -hmm. last job Friday starts her new one (laughs) yay
3: that's exciting Y'all for, um, Carol Dyer. She seeks out a new place to live there in Myrtle Beach.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I, I, Carol. Yeah.
1: I didn't know about
6: them. She mm-hmm. haven't seen the emails? No. Yeah,
3: yeah. she sent a couple of emails out.
6: Okay, yeah. I'll, I missed them. I'll have to go back.
3: Yeah, Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe be praying for the Wolfpack football team. No.
6: Or...
3: <laughs> <laughs> was was the game last night? I
6: yeah they didn't
0: do so well <laughs> no no there really wasn't a game last night
3: was a game.
6: Richard had it had it broadcasted on the side of our garage he was watching it outside, outside yes. we were both sitting there watching it but uh, while Robin celebrated her 23rd with friends at the fire pit <laughs> That's
3: but,
6: um, yeah but it was a sad game <laughs> yeah. for the wolf pack yeah for sure I'll also ask, um, we are officially putting my, my parents' house back on the market again today. Um, what the, one of the properties in Oriental, and this is the third time I've had renters in it for a couple of years. And so we are trying one more time to sell that house. So um just praying that this time it will sell <laughs> and it will sell soon. So, um, so yeah, if y'all think about Oh, you're thinking about Carol, also our property. I would love for it to find a buyer for it. This so you, is this us, is the old house that we rent out. My parents lived in Oriental for a number of years. And so it's a second house out down there.
2: So I assume you've got it listed with the realtor
3: down there.
6: Yes. <laughs> Maybe now's the time, Lisa, because so many people are working from home. What a great place to work from. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so.
3: Um, anything else? I think I saw Galena on here for a little while, but maybe not. You did. I did? Okay. All right. Remember Galena. Well, why don't we close in prayer? And uh, Wayne, Wayne, I'm going to ask you if you would pray. Um.
2: Sure. Be happy to do so.
3: Okay.
2: Heavenly Father, it's uh, such a privilege to be able to gather in your name. Lord, thank you that we could share in uh, a time that we could fellowship as as well as bring our concerns to you. Lord, I know that you are, are so aware of our condition, of our needs, our desires. And we ask, Lord, that um, all of those concerns would be put forth on, on your throne and, and that your will will be done, that we would, we would delight in that and that we would just trust and um, completely turn our concerns, our cares over to you. We thank you, Lord, that you have victory, that you have won uh, the greatest concern and problem of our lives, Lord. You have conquered sin, and you've given us life and hope and a reality, Lord, that we can live above and beyond any concern. Lord, uh, thank you for, um, even though that we face enemies of certain kinds that are our victory in you is complete. So Lord, help us to uh, to just live in the, in the joy and in the zeal and um, the comfort of that reality. Help us to be able to uh, look to you for all of our concerns, knowing full well, Lord, that you care for us so deeply. The maker of the universe, yet the God who cares for us personally. It's hard for us to comprehend, but we're so grateful, Lord, to know beyond a doubt that you do love us, that you do care for us in the way that you've sent your son so that we can triumph over the greatest enemies. Lord, we thank you for, um, this week that you've given to us, Lord, in the week ahead, we, we pray that you would continue to meet our needs on a, on a daily basis as we submit ourselves to you, and um, we pray, Lord, that you would be at work in our lives, our families at work, and in all ways, Lord, that we can bring you glory, for that's truly the greatest goal of all, and also, Lord, that we would know um, what you would have for us in store of a promise of eternal life thank you lord for um all my my friends here and i just pray especially that you'd reach out to those uh in concern now and uh, for housing carol dyer's situation um for a buyer for lisa randy and in and the home uh, that they would like to sell and lord we we submit our our um our cares to you lord for all the victories that you have for us. We commit our, our day to you now and, and we thank you again for your loving kindness and faithfulness to us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.
3: Okay. Bye bye. Good to see everybody.
1: Happy birthday again,
5: Roger. Happy birthday to thank you. Love, you. <laughs>
3: Hello,
4: Micah. You, Hi, Eugenia. Happy
3: birthday. Eugenia. Bye.
4: Good birthday, right here. Good to see you, Perfect, right all, right, Good to see you. all. Good to see, see you see too, Bill. Bye. Bye, bye bye, Bye, Lucy. Bye. 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 Bye.
1: Bye. bye. Good to see you. There's Rebecca. Rebecca. Simon, hey Clara. Hi, Hi, Clara. Bye, Henry. <laughs> Hi,
0: Clara. Hi,
6: Henry.
0: I like your shirts, Simon and Clara.
6: Oh, did you make those? Oh, some party
3: they went to. Oh, the party.
6: They or
1: us? You. It's good to see you, Arthur. Tell Nami I See hello. you, Wendy. I will. Hi hey, uh, y'all.
3: Bye. bye. Bye, bye, Henry. Bye. Bye. Bye, bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye. Three, two, five, Rebecca. I love you.
1: Well, I love you, too. Bye, Mr. Roger. Thank you.
3: Hi, Rebecca. You look beautiful this morning.
1: <laughs>
3: and yeah, that's recorded. See you, Roger.